0: Good to see you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us even on this rainy day. Our lesson for today is going to be another interesting one. I think last week's was probably the most interesting of our series, but this is is kind of right there behind it. Our lesson for today continues our studies on the marriages of the Bible. And today's lesson is the story of Joseph and Mary. And it's subtitled, A Relationship Founded on Trust. As we look at the relationship between Joseph and Mary, we see trust in a number of different areas in their marriage and we'll look at those today. The relationship between Mary and Joseph leading to their marriage required a great deal of trust to survive. They faced obstacles that the average dating or engaged couple would never dream of. The expectance of a child conceived by way of the Holy Spirit. We have to think of the rumors that would swirl when the people found out that Mary was expecting out of wedlock. The decision of whether to go ahead with the marriage or not was in play. And they also had to deal with the threatening of the life of the child that was not yet born and fleeing fleeing from their home to protect him. They had to learn to trust in God as well as learning how to trust each other. Their closest relationships they had could not be trusted to accept what was going to happen in the lives of Mary and Joseph. Joseph without some form of wrongful judgment. The two, alone with God, were faced with the challenge of beginning a brand new life together, spending much time away from their respective families. They were faced with the challenge of raising the only begotten Son of God. A challenge I know that I myself would find very difficult. Studying the lives of Mary and Joseph will help us to learn to put our full faith in God. Knowing that he will provide for us and fulfill the promises he has made to us. Through his son he offers us salvation that cannot be found in any other we begin our lesson today by looking at Mary's trust in God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading here in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And of His kingdom there will be no end. And in verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. You read my mind. Thank you. (laughs) Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who is called Baron, For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Upon hearing the words of Gabriel, rejoice, highly favored one, Mary was afraid. We see this often with the angels. We looked at it in our Bible classes. I mentioned it last week. We see often whenever angels appeared to someone, they were afraid. And certainly she was. She was told not to be afraid, but that she was favored by God. She was given comfort in her fear. Mary was told that she would be expecting a child, though she was a virgin. The power of the highest would overshadow her, causing the impossible to be possible. Lastly, we looked at the parents of John, Zacharias, and Elizabeth. And as we looked at them and their reality, we see that they were older in age before they were able to conceive a son. Something that would be impossible to man was made possible by God. And here we have the same thing with Mary. We see that the impossible, the fact that she would bring forth a child, even though she had not known a man, the impossible, the really impossible, would be made possible by God. And after hearing the words of Gabriel concerning the child that would be hers, she accepted the will of God without further question. Interestingly enough, we see that Zacharias also questioned God, and he was struck deaf and mute. He could not speak until the birth of John. But we see this is different with Mary. Zacharias knew better, as a friend of mine pointed out. But Mary, she had reason to question. But she didn't question any further after this. After the question, well how can this be? She said in verse 38, let it be to me according to your word. Now, We have to remember the character of Mary. We have to remember what she was about, uh, the things that we know about her. She was one that pondered things. We're told on at least a couple of different occasions where she took these things into her heart. She pondered them. She meditated on them. And, And that was who she was. And we can only imagine that Mary had some questions. How exactly would the Holy Spirit come upon her as Gabriel spoke in future tense? How would she be received by those in her community, her family, and her friends? Now, how would Joseph take such news and how would she tell him? You know, we see that, that many women are, are given that ability to, to tell their husbands when they are expecting. How would she do that? How would she tell Joseph this when she had not even had that kind of relationship with him that could conceive a child? How would she tell him that she was pregnant? The ultimate question, above all these other questions, could she trust God? Could she trust God to work out all of the difficulties? and questions that she was being faced with. We have many questions in our minds in many different cases, many different reasons. We have many questions in our minds about our future and about what is to be. Can we trust God to work all things out for our good? Ultimately, she could trust God. And she did by giving answer, let it be to me, according to your word. Every marriage should be founded on trust in God. Every marriage. No matter age or the length or anything like that, it doesn't matter. Every marriage should be founded on trust in God every marriage will face its share of problems and difficulties. Even among those who seem to have it all, every marriage will have problems to be faced. Decisions must be made and bills must be paid. The question, will the spouses remain faithful to one another? Despite the circumstances, health, wealth, whatever, will you face those difficulties together? Not as individuals, but together. That's where a lot of marriages fail, I believe, because we don't put our trust in our spouses. We try to solve our problems on our own, and certainly we don't have a trust in God. But when we work together, we can face anything with God's help. There are so many questions that regard the future. Careers, children, homes, pets, and many others. And many of these will lead to argument on occasion. But will you face the problems together? And can we trust God to work out all of the difficulties... And questions that we are faced with together. Will He be there with us? Will He stand with us? And can I trust my spouse to trust in God as much as I do? Those are some very good questions to be raised and answered. We see also not just Mary's trust in God, but we see Joseph's trust in Mary and God. Whether or not Joseph knew of Mary's pregnancy before she visited Elizabeth is unclear. But when he did find out about Mary's pregnancy with a child that was not his own, no less. He considered putting her away secretly, as we read in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. Now, he didn't want to put her away because she was pregnant with a child that was not his necessarily. He trusted that Mary had told him the truth, and he cared for her enough that he didn't want her to become a spectacle. He didn't want to bring attention to the situation. By law, betrothal, what we probably would look more at as our engagement in our society, in our day and time, it was basically by law considered a marriage. And to put her away would have meant divorce. And also by law, unfaithfulness was punishable by death. I want to take a moment to go back to the Old Testament to understand exactly what they were facing. If they were following the old law, and I'm sure that they were, Deuteronomy chapter 22 comes into play. Deuteronomy 22 verses 23 and 24. Deuteronomy 22 verse 23. If a young woman who is a virgin... Is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones the young woman because she did not cry out in the city and the man because he humbled his neighbor's wife. So you shall put away the evil from among you. We also find that the punishment of a woman who was not betrothed was much less than if she were were betrothed. Deuteronomy 22 verses 28 and 29. And it may be Joseph's intention to put her away so as not to have her punished more so than what she could have been. But whatever his reason, he wanted to put her away, not to bring attention to her situation. Now Joseph was told about the child differently than Mary was. Joseph was told in a dream not to proceed with this plan. And as it would be with any dream, I'm sure we've all had certain dreams that we wake up and we think, was that real or not? Maybe Joseph had that question. But this is what he was told. Going back to Matthew chapter 1 and beginning with verse 18, we read this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, So all this was done, his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. The will of God regarding the child to be born to them is revealed to Joseph. He will save his people from their sin. That was Jesus' purpose all along. Was to come into the world. He came to teach. And preach. And He came to die. And not only did He die, but He was also buried and later resurrected. Victorious over sin. And it is through His blood that we are saved from our sins. We see this intention from the beginning that He will save His people from their sins. It is only through contact with the blood of Christ through obedience, through baptism that man can be saved. Joseph had to trust God to work His will. despite his own questioning of his future. God had a plan. And Joseph had to put his trust in God's plan. And we can only imagine the situation that Joseph would be in. We can only imagine the shoes that he had to fill. He was probably faced with rumors of his wife's unfaithfulness for the rest of his life. We don't know. But certainly that's something that that he would have feared. But he faced them with his faith in God firmly planted. He never wavered as far as we are told in scriptures. Joseph was a very special man. Mary was a very special woman. They were chosen for this. Out of the many other people that were in the world, Mary and Joseph were chosen to bring God's child into the world. To raise Him so that He could save His people from their sins. And our final point in our lesson today, let's notice Mary's trust in Joseph. Every wife should be able to trust her husband. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5. In verses 22 and following we read instructions that are given to husbands and wives regarding their marriage and what God wants it to be. Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Skipping to verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In order to be submissive to their husbands, wives must trust their husbands. They must have trust in their husbands in order to be submissive to them. They cannot be submissive to someone that they cannot trust. And Mary was able to trust Joseph with decisions regarding their future. There were many cases, many places that we read where Mary had to put her trust in her husband. She submitted to his will, to what he decided, but she had to trust him in order to do so. First of all, Mary trusted Joseph as they left Bethlehem to be registered. One of their first major challenges as Mary was soon to be delivered. Turn to Luke 2. Let's notice what it said in verses 4 through 7. Luke 2 and verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now any number of things could have occurred, mainly that the child would be born before they return. Did they think about those things? Did they worry about those things? Maybe so. We, we find here that there was not enough room for her to give birth in the end. Only a stable. And Mary had to trust Joseph's leadership through these difficult circumstances. And she did. Mary trusted Joseph in their flight to Egypt as they were unable to return to their home due to Herod's threat to the lives of all male children. Turn to Matthew 2. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. Matthew 2 and verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Mary, in a delicate state, having just given birth, is now told that she can't go home immediately after. They are forced to spend some time in Egypt until the death of Herod. We're not told exactly how long that was. This had also been prophesied beforehand as was Jesus' birth. But again, we see that Joseph is told of these things. Not Mary, but she had to trust him. She had to trust his leadership. And in their eventual home in Nazareth, in Matthew chapter 2, Verses 19 through 23. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, Instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. And again, Joseph is told where to go from Egypt by God. And fearing the current ruler of Israel is directed by God, to Nazareth. Joseph must have have a close relationship with God as God has appeared to him on four separate occasions. One of the things that we find about the character of Joseph and the person that he was, he was a worthy leader of his family. Because he put his trust in God, he was a worthy leader of his wife and his child. And we are never told that Mary questioned Joseph's leadership. She may have had similar fears, but she always followed his lead, his direction. Wherever he directed her to go, she did it. She went there because she put her trust in her husband and in God. She trusted him in the many difficult circumstances that they faced together. And we see that Mary is also a wonderful example of godly submission to her husband. The marriage of Joseph and Mary, it began with a difficult start, didn't it? With the promise of a son that that they probably thought they weren't ready for. But God knew better. And had they not had the trust between each other and the trust in God that they did, I don't know that they could have done the things that they did. I don't know that that their marriage would have turned out as, as great as it did, at least from what we know in Scripture. But they did trust God. And they did trust each other. And that made a world of difference in their lives and in their story. As we conclude our lesson today, I come back to a point that I made earlier in the lesson. All marriage relationships should be founded on trust in God. We see it more so with Joseph and Mary than with any other. But marriages need God within them. Husbands and wives do well to learn trust in God before the marriage ever begins. This is learned in the home by the example and teachings of father and mother, maybe even grandparents, as the case may be. And this learning is continued into adult independence. Various trials that we face help us Strengthen our faith in God through spiritual growth. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Romans 5 verses 3 through 5 And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. In one of our earlier lessons, we had the example of Boaz and Ruth. Both individuals trusted in God before their marriage which supplied them a firm foundation. We need to learn trust in our lives as individuals so that we can carry that trust into our marriages and be an encouragement to our spouses. And husbands and wives are to continue the development of trust in God in their marriage. Spouses strengthen one another through encouragement. One of the greatest blessings is to have a faithful spouse because you have a similar background, you have a similar belief before you even come into that marriage, a belief in God. And that can be an encouragement to the other. You encourage each other toward heaven. You have the encouragement to be better Christian. The encouragement to be better people. To, to work hard and, and, and to carry that, that faith into the world, you have an encouragement and you have a support in your marriage. You can be an encouragement to each other to study and to do what is taught in the Word of God. Uh, Another thing that that we find that that really hinders a marriage is whenever spouses disagree. Whenever they have a different relationship with God. When one believes and one doesn't, that, that causes difficulty, that causes strife within the marriage. But when you marry someone who is a Christian, you have an encouragement to be a better Christian. That doesn't mean that a marriage that, that is divided in those beliefs or in that faith can't survive. It just makes it more difficult. But spouses who come into a marriage with similar faith can be an encouragement to one another. Trusting God is not only encouraged in the marriage, but it extends to the parent-child relationship as well. Children are edified by the company of godly parents. In being around them and seeing how they live, children are encouraged to serve God. The home becomes a, a safe place for children desiring to learn about God. A safe place that they may not find otherwise. Schools can be difficult. And especially in a, a public school, sometimes we find different relationships, different friendships, and sometimes those friendships can lead us in the wrong direction. But a child can be encouraged in the home. A child can be encouraged by godly parents. They can be encouraged... To continue in faithfulness. And the home is a safe place to talk about God. To study about God. To learn about Him. And learn how to do His will. That's what God wants in a marriage. He wants godly parents that lead godly children. And they all lead each other eternity with God. The godly home begins with a godly relationship between husband and wife. The kind of relationship that God has put in His Word that He wants us to have. Wives submit to your husbands. And husbands love your wives. So many times we get hung up on the wives submit to husbands and there are people that think that that that's outdated and, and that's not to be in today's society but it is, it's what God wants but husbands are given fair warning as well they have a responsibility not just that wives should be submissive to them but they need to be the type of husbands that wives can be submissive to husbands Love your wives. The story of Joseph and Mary is one of great encouragement for us as Christians to be faithful to God. To have a faithful relationship with Him. Not just as individuals, but also in our marriages. We need to have a relationship with God. A trust in Him. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him to work out the difficulties in your life? The difficult problems and circumstances that you face? Do you trust God to work in those difficulties to make you what He wants you to be? To to make those difficult situations easier, do you trust in God to do that? Do you trust His direction? the direction that is given to us in the Scripture, do you trust God? Do you trust each other? If you're not a Christian, then I would encourage you to put your trust in God, to be obedient to the plan of salvation. Repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. Dedicate your life to Him. But it doesn't end in baptism. We put a great importance on baptism, and and rightly so. But it's just as important to continue in faithfulness. And if you're not a faithful child of God, if you need to come back, if you need to ask for prayer or for forgiveness for something that you've done, if there is some way that we can help you today, we offer this invitation to you, and we ask that you would come. Let's see how we stand and as we sing.